Glory to God. It's great to see all those youth. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Oh, I just love that. I, I don't know how many times, you know, you just deal with things through the day and they wear on you. And, uh, and then I'll just be like, oh, man. And I'll be driving in my truck and uh, going home or whatever. And uh, I'll just turn on some praise and worship music, you know, some, some good stuff, you know. Nothing la-di-da. I mean, stuff that gets it going, you know. And man, it's so good to praise God. We have that opportunity to praise God wherever we're at or, and whatever we're doing. You know, we can just stop and praise him, give him glory, lift up Jesus, and change the atmosphere. We lift our praise and we change the atmosphere. There's a song that we used to sing about that. It'd be cool to sing that again. So hallelujah. That's a little bit about what I want to talk about tonight, you guys. Um, what the Lord put on my heart, I'll entitle it Spiritual Warriors. Spiritual Warriors. So, doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound enticing? Rev you up a little bit? It revved me up, it really did. I just got excited about all this. And, and I do want to say that I uh, took a lot of what I'm saying from this book by Graham Cook, is his name, and it's called Qualities of a Spiritual Warrior. And good stuff. I mean, it just, it's like, oh, wow. You know, this is revelational, heavy, revy stuff. Yeah. So I, I really liked it. You know, uh, if we analyze or make an assessment with the condition the world's in right now, whether you're a Christian or not, I think people everywhere can see that change is in the air. It's in the atmosphere. You know, you don't have to be incredibly sensitive to be able to tell that there's some things going on that didn't used to be going on, or at least not to the degree that they're going on right now. So there has been an incredible shift away from traditional values and a movement towards progressive ideology. Isn't that great? I'm being sarcastic. How do you like the world's definition of progress, right? It's, I, I've never understood why they can name it progressive when it's actually, in fact, regressive. <laughs> you know, according to the Bible, according to the Word of God. It's amazing how uh, politicians can put these real nice names on the bills that they're trying to get passed, and they sound so good, you know, a fair act of blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, yeah, the title sounds great. I'd vote for that. But then you read through all the, you know, all the small print, and it's like garbage. You know, it, it doesn't set anybody free. It puts us in bondage. So anyway, <clears throat> there is indeed a massive spiritual shift in our country, which has brought about the drastic cultural changes in our nation. That's where we're at right now. And what is going on in the spirit realm is what will manifest in the natural realm. So all this is coming from the pit of hell. All this stuff that we're seeing that is uh, promoting godlessness and, uh, and things that are, that are contrary to what this nation was founded on, it's all from, it's all from the pit of hell. So I think we all could agree that there is a manifestation of like a spirit of violence to a degree. I mean, amongst other things that we all haven't experienced before. So this brings the question, what do we do? What do we do about that? What is our posture in these times? What's our plan? And is there a realization that we really should have a plan? 
Are we cognizant of that? And God has the perfect answer for what we need to do. The first thing I want to talk about, the first point I want to make tonight, spiritual warriors change atmosphere. Spiritual warriors change atmospheres. Praise God, it's powerful. I've got an excerpt here that I got from uh, the old Greek philosopher, ancient Greek philosopher, Her Heraclitus, I think is how you pronounce it. So I, I don't know what all Heraclitus had to say in his philosophies through his, the years of his life, but what he said here, I think, rings pretty true. So I, I like this, so I'm gonna read it to you. And he's talking about uh, warriors. He's talking about armies, troops. Out of every 100 men, 10 shouldn't even be there. 80 are just targets. Nine are the real fighters, and we are lucky to have them, for they make the battle. Ah, but the one, one is a warrior. And he brings all the others back again. And that, man, I tell you what, that is a true statement right there. Uh, it, well, it just rings true in my heart. I can see that. I can see that all it takes, really, is for one person to get a hold of what's going on, to have an understanding of it, to develop themselves to a position where they can handle that, and then to go and do it. And uh, I think God is calling us there, you guys. He's calling out the warriors. Praise God. It's a good thing. It's nothing to be afraid about. You know, we're not in a time where we're like, oh, you know, things are dire. You know, wring our hands, things are dire. I mean, some things are dire, but Jesus is greater. The greater one indwells us. There's an answer for the things that are happening. And not only that, but it's, it's something that can bring us to a whole new place. You know, the, the fact is, when you don't have a battle to fight, there's, you know, there's just a, a temptation to be more passive and to be more laid back and to get lazy, right? I mean, that's, that's what can happen. Uh, you've seen King David uh, back in the day when he got into his middle age and he'd fought wars all his life, he decided to cool it a little bit. He decided to let up and he deserved a rest, right? So he got into a little bit of trouble with that rest. And so it does matter how purposefully we live our lives. It matters a lot. And so no matter what stage of life we're in, God has a calling for us. He has a purpose and a plan for each of us. And, and really, I, I just feel like, you know, in my own heart, I mean, you know, this message I'm preaching right back to me just like I'm preaching to you guys. You know, I just feel like the Lord is like, man, I just, I want to work through you. You know, I just, I, I want to get things done. There's things that need to be done on the earth, Tim. You know, uh, get yourself in position where that can take place, where I can work through you and in you and through you so that the things I want to be accomplished on the earth get done. And so, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm, you know, honestly, uh, as I'm reading this book and stuff, it's like waking me up a little bit. Just like, wow, you know, there, there is some things here that we need to lay hold of so that God can have his will done on the earth, you know. 
So, um, think about this. Where does Satan live? Well, you know, where, where does the devil dwell? Where is his abode? You know, a lot of folks would probably say, well, you know, everything we've seen on TV that's depicted this shows him in this real dark room and, or a big cave or something, and he's on this black throne, everything's black, and, uh, and he's got these little demons scurrying around doing his bidding, and there's, you know, pockets of fire pits here and there type of thing. And what I want to tell you is that Satan is not there. Now, he's going to be there. His destiny is to go there. But right now, he's not there. So turn with me as we begin tonight to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's see. Yeah, Ephesians 2. Mm-hmm. I think I got the wrong passage written down. I hate it when that happens. Okay. Oh, no, I didn't. It's good. I just didn't underline it. So I, I always underline the things I like, and I hadn't underlined that yet. So, all right, I'm good here. All right, well, read this with me. And you, uh, start in verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air. Hmm. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. You know what that tells us? The devil, his, his abode, his place is in the atmosphere. It's the atmosphere. He, he's in the air. He's the prince of the power of the air. I mean, that's kind of a weird thing to say, right? But if you view it as, as a standpoint of, you know, there's, there's the higher heaven, there's lower heaven. Well, he, he's in our atmosphere. That's, I mean, you know, that really kind of, uh, that kind of brings him down to size, right? He doesn't even have a throne. He's supposed to be the, the prince. Well, where's his throne? You know, he doesn't have no power, you guys. Glory to God. Who is, who is the earth created for? The earth was created for men and women, for people. The earth wasn't created for the devil. The earth wasn't created for angels even. It was created for, the, for God's children, for humanity. So, you know, when we talk about, or when we think about the first Adam, the first Adam really blew it. Uh, and you know, we give, we give Eve a lot of grief for talking with the serpent and taking the first bite of that fruit, whatever it was. Here's the deal. Adam is the real guilty one. Because he was right there. You read it, and, and I'm not gonna go there, but in Genesis, read it. He was right there, Adam. He's standing back. Well, you know, let's just see what happens to her. If she drops from a bolt of lightning, then I'm not taking a bite. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, talk about passive. Passive, man. And Adam's standing right there. Eve takes the bite and it's like, oh, okay, it's all good. That does look kind of yummy. I think I'll try a bite myself. And you know, the sad thing is that that uh, put a curse on all humanity. 
But the second Adam, Jesus, came down and he, he made all of that right. So praise God, we are who we are because of him. We have been put back in the place that God designed for us to be. We've been put back in the position with the authority that God initially gave us. Praise God. And you know what, with authority, there always comes responsibility. Responsibility and authority go hand in hand. So, this is what I wanna say. Satan has already lost the war, you guys. He's lost the war, okay? At this point, he is just fighting to lie and deceive and make people miserable if they let him and take as many to hell with him as he can. But he's whipped, but he just doesn't want you to know it. But the devil is whipped. He has no power over any of us. No power at all. Only the power to deceive. So I want to go quickly here over three points. Three ways Satan tries to deceive us into defeat. Number one, he operates to change the climate of faith into unbelief. The climate of faith. We're talking about the atmosphere here. He operates to change the climate of faith into unbelief. Fear is his main weapon. Fear is the devil's main weapon. If you know there's fear, you know that that's where he is. And you know what you can do about that. You can kick him out because he doesn't belong there. You resist him, you submit to God, and uh, he's out of there. I, I can remember specifically an occasion one time where I felt, I felt the spirit of fear probably greater than any time I could really recall in my life. Uh, when my son Aaron was four years old, he came down with uh, having these grand mal seizures, just out of the blue, grand mal seizures. They were awful, I'd never seen a grand mal seizure, and you don't wanna see it, it it's horrible. I, I really thought he was dying right in front of me. And so, anyway, uh, through the process of getting into the Word and praying and, you know, just following what the Word said to do in regard to this, um, you know, we were, we were battling with that. The doctor, I still remember him giving me this brochure, this nice little pretty brochure. And basically, uh, the, the title on it was Living with Epilepsy. Kind of like, yeah, it's okay. You know, everything's fine. You can live with epilepsy. It's okay. You know, don't be worried. And, and on the cover is this, you know, pretty uh, purple-colored uh, face page. And right in the center, it, it shows a nice sunny day with a green meadow. And there's a family walking hand in hand with the sun shining. And, and so the whole, the whole message is, yeah, this is, you can live with it. It's okay. Something inside of me said, no, it's not. I, I looked at that thing and rebelled against it, man. I was like, no, I'm not taking this. I threw it away. I wasn't going to look at it. I wasn't going to let that get in my spirit. And so, so Cindy and I, we, uh, we prayed over Aaron. It was a bit of a journey, and the Lord taught us a lot along the way, a lot of spiritual things and some natural things that had to do with Aaron and his, you know, uh, a level of tolerance for certain things, certain foods and whatever, you know. And so the Lord kind of taught us through all that. And uh, I remember on one occasion in particular, uh, 
He was up in the Omaha hospital. Cindy stayed with him. I had to come home because I had to go to work the next day. And it had been a long day. It had been one of those days where, you know, it just didn't look like things were getting better. And so you feel heavy. You just, you're, and you feel tired, you know. And I remember pulling up into my driveway and the house was dark and I pulled up in my driveway and I just knew there was a spirit of fear sent there in my home to torment me. I'm not the kind of guy that is afraid of the dark. You know, I'm not the kind of guy that gets into a room and has to turn the light on real quick because, you know, afraid of the dark. <laughs> but I tell you what, when I walked in the door of that house, that's exactly what I did. I turned on the light real fast and I felt the hair on the back of my neck just and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, spirit of fear. And so I just went straight to the living room, right out in the middle of the floor so that nothing could come around the corner and get me, you know. <laughs> but, you know, right out in the middle of the floor, a little safer there, and I just laid down on the floor and just started praying against that spirit of fear with all my might. And I didn't feel powerful at the moment. I, I, felt, I, I felt weak, you know. It's like, wow, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's intense, it is. When the devil comes and attacks, it can bully over for a moment, and, but he's a bully. He don't got nothing. He's a bully, and if he can push you around, he will. And so I, I just remember praying and praying just, and praising God, you know, intensely and fervently, and it was just like a fog. Uh, that spirit of fear just kind of just dissipated. And then I knew it was gone. And I thought, well, you just lost, buddy. You just reinforced my faith. That's what you did. And so, uh, you know, I just went about my business and got ready for bed, went to bed, didn't keep the lights on, turned the lights all out, you know, and everything was good. But that really stuck in my, in my memory of a time where Satan purposely came in my weakest moment, my most tired moment, you know, to try to get me down and get me to submit to his way of thinking, his way of doing things. And we can always defeat the devil when we speak the word of God. The word of God always gets him defeated. All right, so anyway, I got a little off track there. Let me get back where I'm at here. So fear is his main weapon. If he can get you out of faith and into fear, well, he won that round. You know, ding, ding, he won that one. Anytime, and you might want to write this down. I think this is a pretty, uh, pretty good statement here. Anytime Satan wins, it's by forfeit. Anytime he wins, it's by forfeit. When you yield to the deceit of the enemy, he wins by forfeit because your faith didn't show up to claim the victory. That is really what it's all about. And he'll take that win. He knows it's by forfeit. He knows he ain't got nothing, but he'll take it. We don't have to go that route, though. Praise God. And usually when you're in that place, you don't feel pumped and, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a warrior, I'm a mighty man of God, or whatever. You, don't, you just don't, you know, you're feeling bad, you're feeling down, you're feeling less than. But that's the time where you have the greatest victories is when you have faith and step forward and pray the word of God, even though your feelings tell you, oh man, is this gonna work? 
you just tell your feelings to shut up, you know. Don't live by feelings. We live by the word of God. Hallelujah. So he doesn't have any power over you. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. And there's another translation, I think it's NIV, that says a spirit of timidity. And I like that too, because a lot of times fear seems like, yeah, we know that's bad. But timidity, oh, maybe somebody's just being shy or whatever. No, timidity is not good. It's just as bad. It's just, it's just a synonym of fear. So we don't need to be timid. So he's not giving us a spirit of fear, but what? A, a spirit of power, love, which is the greatest force in the universe. It's God is love. That is a definition of God. He's given us himself. We have the spirit of God within us. So a, a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, which is very important, which God is saying we can have peace in the midst of our storm. We can have peace right in the midst of every, all the chaos. You just look at the example Jesus was when he walked on the earth and when he was in the boat, he wasn't panicking. Everybody else was. And they're wondering, why are you not panicking? What's the matter with you? Don't you see that we should be panicking here? And Jesus is like, no, my reality trumps your reality. The reality that is in Christ is the reality of victory. You know, God doesn't have defeat. If we stay in him, we're gonna stay in that realm too. He doesn't do defeat. That's not a part of his nature. Okay, Galatians chapter five. We're in Ephesians there. If you just flip back a couple pages to Galatians chapter five and verse six. I wanna read just a couple passages here. Okay. Yes, that's another time where I thought, uh-oh, I got the wrong passage, and then I, I just had to read it and then see that it's the right passage, so we're good. <laughs> so, all right, verse six, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith, I mean, he's saying, so this is where it is. You want life, you want liberty, you want salvation, this is it, faith working through love. And now I want to go to another passage in 1 John. Kind of goes along the same lines here. So 1 John chapter 4. Hmm. All right. 1 John 4 and starting at verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Wow. Isn't that liberating? I mean, ponder that. There's so much in the word you can't just read and glaze over it. You, you need to soak it. You know, and that's one thing we need to soak right there. Glory to God. As he is, not even as he was, but it's just saying as he is right now, so are we in this world. That's showing us, you guys, the, the power that we have. And, and I know most of us are you know, really familiar with the word and with, with who we are and, and the authority we have and all of those things, and that's great. But it behooves us 
to examine this and to to get a new reality of what that really means you know just meditate on it chew on it and and man it just it kind of lights a fire in you when you see that gosh I've let the devil get by with some stuff and I didn't have to do that you know I can speak the word I can be free from that hallelujah so the other thing I wanted to point out in this particular verse he talks about boldness so love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment and I just got to say you know as I look around and I, I see kind of the you know the the church in a general sense the corporate church I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of timidity you know just kind of faltering steps and not knowing how to handle things and and just not having a, a complete trust in the Word of God. There, there's just things happening here that we're not, uh, we're not taking war against. We're letting ourselves be pushed back a little bit, you know, and, and I'm not us, okay? I wanna make that clear. I mean, you guys are here, we're, we're on track, but we're talking about all the other people, right? So, but you know what I'm saying, right? It's, it is a time right now for boldness. I tell you what, you look out in the world right now, who's bold? Well, they're bold. The godless are bold, aren't they? They're unashamed. I mean, you know, they're pagans. And they're sinners. And they're wicked. And proud of it. <laughs> I mean, right? And that's sad. I mean, we need to pray for them, obviously. Not just judge them, but, you know, we need to pray for them. But... But the reality is that's their posture. You know what, we need to meet that and, and not in the flesh, you understand. You know, flesh don't do nothing. But in the spirit, we need to cloak ourselves with a new boldness to come to and, and to deal with the times that we're in right now. Because God has certain plans for certain times. He, he knows what's going on, he knows the plans that he has. And if we step into him and keep in rhythm with him, we're going to be going down the path we need to go to have the victory we need to have. And I tell you what, boldness is huge right now. The world needs to see that. And, and boldness is not arrogance. I'm not saying that. You know, it's not an arrogance or a, you know, conceitedness or anything that's you know, not characteristic of, of the, the fruit of the Spirit. But passion for Christ, that's right, amen. Preach it, baby. You wanna come up here and help me? <laughs> it's all good. That's exactly right. Passion for Christ. There's something about that that is catching. I mean, I didn't plan on going there. <laughs> so you, you got me going there, baby. Um, but you know, we do need to have a passion. I, I, I just wanna say it, I guess. We'll just go on that path. Um, if we get too settled in with our nice little comfort zone, we're gonna miss it. I tell you what, we, we've got to stand up and put on the armor and get out of the comfort chair and get out of the recliner and we've really got to seek the Lord and see what he's wanting to do right now. Because the boldness that he's called us to is going to make us a little uncomfortable. It's, it's something that, uh, you know, we're going to have to be trusting in him because we're not going to, he's going to give us the light for each step that we take. 
the light for our path. So it takes boldness. There is no fear in love in verse 18. There is no fear in love. That's how you know when you're in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So it's time for boldness. Hallelujah. Okay. The second way Satan tries to deceive us into defeat, he seeks to alter the mood of people away from the fruit of the Spirit to something negative. I'll say that again. He seeks to alter the mood of people away from the fruit of the Spirit to something negative. And, you know, when I, uh, when I think of uh, spiritual warfare, what comes to my mind, first thing, is, you know, really praying fervently, you know, pulling down strongholds in Jesus' name. And, you know, just kind of a fervent, uh, you know, err, you know, and, and not to minimize that because I think that intercessory prayer and warfare prayer and warfare praise, those are all very important things. I mean, just like the songs we sung tonight, you know, that, that does something inside of you. I mean, if you, if you let it, you know, if you, if you enter into it, it, it puts something in you that wasn't there before. You know, it just, it makes you lighter and it, and it, and it gives you hope and it gives you energy, right? It really does. And so uh, the fruit of the Spirit, I'm just going to turn there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And everybody is probably very familiar with the fruit of the Spirit, but let's go ahead and read it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such there is no law. So when we're talking about changing the atmosphere, you know what spiritual warfare and, and uh, spirit, being a spiritual warrior is all about? It's all about bringing the fruit of the Spirit into that situation, into that atmosphere. I've done that before. I'm getting better at it. I need to be a lot better than I am. But I'm getting there. You know, uh, there, there's been some times, and, and I've caught myself uh, as I've been more cognizant of this message, you know, and just evaluating myself, uh, getting through the day and having to deal with this and that and this and that, and you just can't keep up, and you can get frustrated because you're not keeping up like you need to. And, and so I can get in a bad mood, right? I know it's hard to believe. I seem like a really nice guy, but sometimes I'm tempted to get in a bad mood. And... Uh, and I have literally, and I need to do this more, okay, I'm getting there, but I have literally stopped myself right in the middle of my bad mood and said, hey, I'm in a bad mood. I need to stop this. I mean, I, you know, I say that even. I'll say it out loud. I'm going to stop it. That's what I'm going to do. I, I had something that happened the other day. I can't remember all the details, but I... I was frustrated, I needed to leave. And then something happened where I had to clean up a mess or uh, I don't remember all the details. The bottom line was I was frustrated. And so I said, so I started a gripe, you know, stupid thing. And then I caught myself and I said, no, I'm gonna praise God. 
And so as I'm cleaning this up, I'm going, praise God, praise God. Lord, I praise you. If the devil's going to do this and try to trip me up, I'm going to praise you all the more. <laughs> I really did do that. And I tell you what, I felt so much better. I really did, you know. And the day went by just fine. It was okay, you know, it was okay. And man, but it was so, it, it was, it was liberating to just say, I can stop this. I, I'm going to stop it. And I'm going to praise God. I'm going to smear it in your face, devil. <laughs> you try to bring me down or get me in a bad mood, change my mood. I'm going to praise God. So, hallelujah. You know, the fruit of the Spirit bringing that into our atmosphere. You know, you can change the atmosphere. And I think we've all, we could probably think about in our past and know examples of where that happened, you know. Uh, there, there can be, you know, maybe people together that are uh, reminiscing about some bad things and there's just, you know, it's just kind of not a real cheerful uh, place to be. But somebody comes in that's unaware, you know, usually somebody that's a sanguine personality and they're just, you know, life's great. And they come in the door and, hey, you know, how's it going? And start talking like that. Well, it, you know, it does. It lifts people up. They're, well, hi, you know. <laughs> they they uh, kind of enter into that, right? I mean, the power that we have, you guys. You know, that the devil can't stand up against that. He can't stop that. When you turn the light on, the darkness goes every time. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. So Satan wants to change the, mo the mood. And he knows how dangerous momentum is. You know, I, I think the devil is like, he tolerates uh, a little praise and worship from somebody. He'll tolerate that a little bit. Here's the thing. He starts getting really nervous and it starts messing him up when that praise and worship becomes consistent and constant. When we're praising and worshiping God and we're getting in a flow of that, I mean, you, you've seen, you know, when you're watching a, a game, uh, if you watch a football game right now, football season, and you see one team makes a play and it kind of puts the other team on their heels and suddenly they got momentum. Then they make another play and then they make another play and boom, you know, they're, they're just, they're moving. They got something. Isn't that interesting? Now it really takes something for the other team to override that momentum and try to get their momentum but if we have a constant spirit of praise if we're constantly just you know i mean just praising god through the day just here and there just constant uh, uh, constantly aware of his presence there is something about that that the devil knows he has a huge problem on his hands because that's a person that doesn't just step in and out but he stays there that's his dwelling place that's the kind of person that Satan is afraid of. Number three, talking about three ways Satan tries to deceive us into defeat. He desires to be our substitute for God. What I mean by that is he wants to make us like him and manifest his nature instead of God's nature. Just as simple as that. Anytime he can get us to release our flesh instead of our true spirit, he has achieved a purpose, however temporary. You know, ding, ding, he just won that round, you know. And not to be in condemnation about that. If that happens, we repent, and then we say, I'm not going to do that again. And we move on. 
And uh, there is no condemnation, hallelujah. But that's what he desires to do. And we have the authority, and you know, just looking the half page over from where I was reading about the fruit of the Spirit, in verse 16 and 17 it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, le- for the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So that's sad, not doing the things that you want to do, but it doesn't have to be that way. We have that choice and that power to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is just a decision away. It's just a decision away. You can walk 100 miles away from the will of God, and all you got to do is turn around and take that one step, and there you are. You're back again. You know, God doesn't make you pay. You, you are right back in his plan and, his, and in his will, and he never stopped loving you, of course. So walking in the Spirit is just a decision away. Don't give in to your feelings. Gosh, we could talk a long time about feelings. We're in a culture right now where feelings are everything. If you feel like a woman, right? It doesn't matter what your biology is. If you feel like a woman, well, okay, you must be a woman. And that's, that's a sad thing. That is a sad thing, you guys, and we need to say it's a sad thing and not, not be afraid to say that because we're not criticizing them. We, we are, I don't want to say it, uh, we are sympathetic to the fact that they need to have the truth and it will set them free. We love them, you know, so we're not making fun, but on the other hand, we gotta address that and not be afraid to. You know, and I speak to myself just like anybody else. It's address that in love, you know, just uh, it's okay to say things that are gonna get people mad. If it really helps them to see what's happening, let them be mad, you know, I mean, we get too worried about offending everybody these days. And it's like, come on. Jesus is the rock of offense. He is. You know, he makes me change. I could be offended at that. Because I don't want to change. I like my way of doing things. But he is the rock of offense. And it's not because he's mean. It's because he loves us. And he wants us to go the right way that's, le- that's leading to life. That's the whole deal. Um, so, you know, who was it that said, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth that said, somebody asked him, how you doing, Smith, on a particular day? And he said, I don't see how I'm feeling. I tell Smith Wigglesworth how he's feeling. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but basically that was it. He's like, you know, I will tell myself how I'm doing. I like it. You know, that, that's a whole new understanding of authority and who we are and, and, who, and what the word is. So don't be nice to your flesh, okay? Your flesh has to be ruled. If you don't rule your flesh, it will rule you. And another way of putting it, uh, the Apostle Paul said, and I didn't get the scripture reference, but in, um, in one of the epistles here, he says, your flesh must be crucified. And when you think of crucifixion, this is gory. This is unpleasant. I mean, you're, you're mutilating, basically, your flesh. You know, just to be graphic. 
just, just to get the point across, you don't negotiate with your flesh. Just like you don't negotiate with sin, you kill it. You kill it. You crucify it. Mm. So, and unfortunately, when you do that, it, it isn't a one-time experience. You got to keep doing that daily, right? That's what the Apostle Paul said. You got to cruci- He crucified his flesh daily. But glory to God, we can do that. We, we have the ability and, and God gives us his strength and we are able to do that. So most of your greatest victories will come when you absolutely don't feel like praising God. And as Christian warriors, we win the battle first within ourselves, okay? First within ourselves before we win in our sphere of influence. And we all have a battle in ourselves, and, and we will. I mean, it's not like it's never gonna stop, but you can, you can win that battle. You can be on top of it. You can be ahead of it instead of being ruled by your flesh. The word of God, the power of God sets us free. Spiritual warriors change atmospheres. I wanna look at one other verse that uh, I thought was uh, kind of a great way, an, another way to look at this, and that's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter four. Okay, and verse 16. 1 Thessalonians four sixteen. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then... We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. Isn't that going to be great? (laughs) It's going to be great. Hallelujah. But there is that. I I wanted to point this out again. He's talking about where is he going to meet us? He's not going to come down to the earth, you know, like to the Mount of Olives or, or whatever. You know, he's coming in the air. You know where he's going? He's coming to the devil's place, the devil's domain. He's coming in the devil's realm because you know why? We're taking that ground back, or air back, I should say. We're taking that back, glory to God. And the thing about it is we don't have to wait till the sweet by and by. We can take that back right now. Just like I said, change the atmosphere. Things going wrong, things going bad, speak to it. And and just praise God like like you're slashing through enemy ranks with the sword of the Spirit as you're praising God. I mean, see, see yourself doing that. You are. I mean, there, there is a, there's an effect in the Spirit that you don't see with your natural eyes, but when you praise God, I tell you what, it puts the devil on notice, and they tremble. Glory to God. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And the, and the presence of God comes when we praise. Well, Satan is powerless against that. Glory to God. So I, I just, I had to point that out because I just love the fact that Jesus is basically saying, we're gonna go right, you know, where the devil is and we're gonna take that, you know. He's, everybody's gonna be caught up in the air right where the devil has his abode. You know, he's gonna be freaking out, right? It's gonna be awesome. Hallelujah. So, okay, secondly, the first point, spiritual warriors change atmosphere. Secondly, spiritual warriors occupy. Spiritual warriors occupy. And uh, 
Every Christian is called to at least be a soldier in the army of God. That's what I think the word shows us that clearly. There is a distinction, though, between a soldier and a warrior. I just kind of wanted to get into that. Soldiers, I think, are the nine out of the hundred that Mr. Heraclitus told us about. They're good. I mean, soldiers are awesome. They, they uh, make the battle, as he says, okay? They make the battle, as old philosopher Heraclitus says. Soldiers are awesome, but warriors are the special forces of the kingdom. What I want to communicate to you all today is that he has created you to be that special force. God has created you to be that special force. So he isn't picking out some people, you know, to have the best physique or they're the most athletic, you know, things that, that we can see, you know, with our own eyes that would be an advantage and put that person in a place where they could lead, where they could be the warrior. No, none of those qualifications matter. Um, your physique is not what qualifies you. Your education, you know, that doesn't qualify you. Um, and I, pr I, I imagine there's probably a lot of us that can remember when we were growing up, you know, when, when we were little kids. Do you remember uh, all the kids would get together and they'd want to play a game? And so you got the two best at the game that would be the captains, right? And they're gonna pick the, they're gonna pick the kids. And you're standing there going like, oh man, I don't want to be last. Don't pick me last, come on. See my potential here, come on. You know, I, I mean, we've all experienced that. You know, they call out the names and then, you know, the, the pack dwindles down till the last person gets picked. And unfortunately, a lot of times the last person, it's kind of like they don't really even want them. They're like, well, okay, come on, you know. Yeah, I mean, we can all identify with that, right? I got some news for you guys. Hallelujah. You are the first pick. God is standing here. We're getting ready for this war. Um, we're in the war, and we're just, you know, we're moving on with the, you know, with the plan of God, and he is standing here, and he's pointing at you. Every one of you, you're his first pick. You're his first pick, you really are. Yeah, God wants to do mighty things. You know, he, he doesn't just like, well, I like to do mighty things through him, but not him so much, you know, he needs a little help. No, he's not like that. He wants to do mighty things through anyone who will let him. I mean, there, there's a risk there, and it's uncomfortable, and you gotta step out, you know, and, and you, there, you, you know, you'll probably be humbled a little bit. And, but, wow, the opportunity is there for us to really walk in that path that God has, and, and we can look at some of the saints of old and see, you know, and hear of, of what they did when being full of the Holy Spirit back in those days. So, warriors are the special forces of the kingdom, and God has called you to be a warrior. He has chosen you. First Peter 2, 9. It says we are, a, I won't turn there for time here, but we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, uh, a peculiar people, some more so than others, but we won't get into that. Hallelujah. 
But actually it says in the New King James Version, a special people, right? You know, I'm, I'm not gonna turn there, but that's, that's what it says. Special, hallelujah. We're special, God said so. Glory to God. So, uh, your qualification is based on your heart and your faith. And that is determined by the decisions that you make. That's determined by you. So hallelujah. The opportunity is there. Uh, so what does it mean to occupy? I want to turn quickly to Luke chapter 19 and just give a definition on that. So you know what we're talking about here. Luke chapter 19 and verse 13. Okay, so this is the parable that, that uh, Jesus spoke. It's In my Bible it says the parable of the minyas. I, I always thought they were talents, but uh, apparently in the, in the New King James they call them minyas. I don't know. Anyway, that's, that's beside the point. So in verse 13 he says, So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minyas, and said to them, Do business till I come. Now if you look in the King James Version, it says occupy till I come. So that can be translated both ways. Do business till I come or occupy until I come. Simply put, rule what has been given you. Whatever is given you, rule that. You can. You can handle it. God won't give you more than you can handle. Rule your territory. You know, I think we get hung up on whose responsibility ministry is. Don't just look at the pastor, okay? I mean, you think about Israel, they're God's chosen people, right? I mean, all of them were and still are God's chosen people. But you know, only 10% of them were actually Levites. 10% of them were actually ministers, they were priests. But all of them were chosen, and that's the way that we are. It doesn't matter if you have a secular job and you're not in full-time ministry. You have the Spirit of God on you to minister. And it's, it's not some, you know, big glorious event. It's just living life. It's just living life. And, and just relating with people around you and daring to go ahead and step out, you know, if there's any opportunity, even if you don't know exactly quite how to do it, just do it anyway. And God will help you with that. You know, he'll help you to step out and to, and to be a minister. So, hallelujah. Ministry goes beyond the four walls of a church building. Ministry is out there. People are out there. And I tell you what, I think really there is a spirit of fear. I, I think we're, you know, we're still pretty sheltered here. We're blessed, aren't we? We really are. I'm telling you, out there, there is some major fear going on. They are afraid, and they're acting out of their fear. And we have, I mean, I, I, I believe in my heart there's a lot of people out there that if we can give them truth, they're going to be hungry for it. They're going to want to hear more. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to reject the truth. But there's people out there that want it. And, and so I, I just exhort myself, I exhort you guys to look for opportunities where we can just do something simple, but, you know, something that uh, will help someone and minister to them. Look for opportunity. Occupy while he... Uh, until he comes. Hallelujah. 
Okay, and then my last point, try to make it quick here, because I know we're running out of time. So number three is spiritual warrior qualities. I just want to give a few examples, okay? Warriors lead by example. They are on a mission. They are not deterred by what people think or say about them. They trust God to defend them against their detractors. They will not waste time arguing or getting distracted from the mission. This is, this is qualities. This, this is a spiritual warrior. They, they don't have time for the other stuff because Satan loves to put distraction in our road, on our path. He wants to distract us from our destiny. And we don't have to let him do that. I, one great example, I read, I read the biology of Billy Graham. And the, the author, one thing that just stuck in my mind that he stated about Billy Graham was that he was, he was a humble guy and he just went about evangelizing. And he was bold. I mean, you know, he, he uh, just went right after it. Well, when you are bold and go right after it, guess what? You get opposition. You, know, you do. And so there were people that opposed that. There were people that, that criticized that. Journalists, you know, they, I mean, imagine this. They, they would skew the truth a little bit, you know, just to get across the narrative they wanted to. I mean, I, I know that's hard to believe. But, you know, that's what they would do to, uh, to discredit him. And you know what Billy Graham did? Absolutely nothing. He just kept right on evangelizing, man. He just kept right on going down the path that God had for him to go down. He, you know what? That, that's faith, man. That, he, he had the understanding that God had his back. God would take care of him. God would be his defender and not himself. You'll wear yourself out defending yourself. You know, put your eyes on the destiny on the calling that God has for you. And don't look to the left or to the right. Just stay on that path. That's one thing that really has always stuck in my mind about him. I have a lot of respect for that. Warriors don't consider themselves, meaning they are selfless or self-sacrificing instead of selfish. God's agenda has priority over their own personal agenda. This keeps them flowing in that perfect timing with God. Because, you know, if, if you're just kind of working with God and doing the things that, you know, aren't, aren't, uh, aren't, aren't too hard to do, but then there's some things that, no, I don't want to do that, and you pull back, well, guess what? That just interrupted God's flow, you know? So now, I mean, God's God. He's perfect, he's great, and he can do all things. So he loves us, and he'll bring another way about for you know what he wanted to happen to happen but it costs something there you lose something there and so if we can if we can be sharp you know and just focused on the lord so that we don't get into that place that's the best place to be hallelujah they don't consider themselves you know one thing about king david he never took the throne do you know that king david never took the throne it was given to him it was given to him. Uh, now, initially, he was anointed by God, right, when he was a teenager? Wow. I mean, how many teenagers would be like, well, bless God, I'm anointed. Samuel said so. He's the man of God. Get out of my way. I got a nation to run here. You know, seriously, 
He could have done that, but he didn't do that. His character shows that he, he never presumed to take it. He let the Lord bring it. And the Lord set it up at just the right time. And, and it was beautiful. Because then he's not fighting against people that you know, say, well, you don't deserve it. No, he proved he deserved the throne, right? He had the character that he proved that. So he didn't even have to fight that fight. He never presumed it. He wasn't entitled. The next thing is warriors take initiative. And then I want to say warriors are always looking for a fight. Warriors are always looking for a fight. You know, and that contrasts with the man with the, you know, the, the parable of the talents. The, the one guy got ten. The other guy got five, right? Is that correct? Well, anyway, he got a little bit less. And then the last guy gets one. You know, well, his character shows. What, what character did he have? He was afraid. He was afraid, so he buried it and just thought, well, yeah, you know, at least this way I'll be safe. You know, the devil deceived him into thinking that was the best pattern for his life. It was the safest way to go. And when in all actuality, that's what ruined his life. Wow, I mean, that's some heavy stuff, right? Um, so warriors are looking for a fight. Man, um, I'm running out of time, so I'm just gonna zip through this real quick and, and not actually turn there. But uh, has anybody ever read about David's mighty men of old? Have you ever gone back in, in the scriptures and read about that? Oh man, it, it fires me up. It's so cool. It's so cool. Um, and I'll just say what I remember off the top of my head. Uh, there was one guy that was one of David's mighty men. So David had like an army of 400 guys. Uh, and maybe it was four or 500, but it was right around in there. These guys though were like awesome guys. They were committed. And you know, they, they were just all in. And from those 400 guys, there was 30 that were considered the mighty men of old. They were men of renown. They had a name, they had a reputation and you didn't want to mess with them. The consequences would be severe. And then there was the three. Uh, so, you know, through King David's reign, I think that, you know, there were some that got killed and so they got replaced by others. But there, there's a lot of names. I'll, I'll give you the, the passage here. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses eight through 39, you ought to read about that. There's one guy that killed 800 Philistines by himself. 800. There's another guy that killed 300 and his hand, uh, the Bible says his hand gripped to the sword, meaning that he fought so long and so hard that he was frozen. His hand was frozen on his sword. I mean, these guys were just awesome, you know? They were warriors. They, you know, these guys knew who they were. They, they developed themselves, they knew what they had, they knew what they were doing, they were focused, and they won. They knew they were gonna win, and they did. I mean, it's just awesome, and that's, it's so inspiring to me because I see that God's saying, you can do that too. You can be that person. So, anyway, uh, trying to skip ahead here just to get to my conclusion. Yeah, all right, here I go. Conclusion, all right? There are three things to know to develop into the warrior God has called you to be. And I'll just say them very quickly here. Number one, know the will of God. 
you know, want to be a warrior? Well, it, it don't come easy, you know. Treasure isn't just laying on the ground, right? You got to dig for it. You got to hunt for it. Things that are valuable, you got to put your heart into it if you want things that are valuable, okay? Your heart, your time. Um, so know the will of God. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 17. I'll just turn there real quick here. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, here it is, but know what the will of the Lord is. I'm really tired of hearing people say, well, you know, if the Lord wills, you know, there is a verse, uh, let me say this, there is a verse that says, if the Lord wills, you can say you'll do thus and so. But it's in the context, here's the whole thing, context. It's in the context of making plans. So you can make plans, you know, going to do such and such or work in this field. You know, they had an example. I didn't write the passage down or I'd tell you about it. But uh, the bottom line is that it's saying that the Lord will guard, you know, he'll, he'll direct your days. And so that might work out and it might not. But it doesn't apply to the things that God's promised us. When, when God's promised us salvation, healing, and deliverance, we don't have to wonder, what is the will of God? And, and I'm telling you, we, we have a stronghold where people use that as their way to get out. It's like, well, it's in the Lord's hands, you know. So there's, there's a prayer that's just, it, it's a weak prayer. It says, well, Lord, if it be thy will, you know, then we pray for such and so. And God's saying, no, don't do that. Know my will. Know it. He's saying right here, know my will, and then speak that will. Speak it. It's his will. It's his word. It's what he wants for us. And so have the courage to speak his will. If he says that it's his will that we prosper and be in health, Take that at face value. He wants us to be prosperous and healthy. And that doesn't mean you're some greedy, you know, uh, prosperity preacher, whatever. You know, it's, it just means God means what he says. And not just so you heap it on your own lust, but so that you can be a blessing, so that you can take resources and you can use those resources to the glory of God. I mean, God has a purpose. And Satan wants to keep us in that false humility of you know, well, you know, I just, I'm, I'm so unworthy, and, you know, you never know what the Lord's gonna do type of thing. And I, I just, I, I am mocking it a little bit, but I, I'm making a point that there, God is saying enough of that. He wants us to understand and to know what his will is and then do it. They, then be bold about it. Be bold about it. I, I'm tired of seeing God's children being pushed around you know, myself included. I'm tired of seeing that. And, and it doesn't have to be. We, we are in a place right now, I'm telling you, you guys, um, I believe with all my heart, we're in a place right now where God's calling us up to that place of more boldness. And, and not, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Boldness with kindness. You know, it's kind. It's boldness and kindness are compatible. They're not opposites. 
You can be bold and kind. You don't have to be obnoxious. But we need to be bold because that's what the world needs right now. That's what people out there need right now. They need us to be bold. And they might not like it at first, but I tell you what, if they have a heart that really is looking for truth, that'll eat at them. It'll stir them, you know? So we need to not worry about what people think, and we need to live the word in our lives. Okay, knowing the will of God. Number two, know your identity, okay? If you're gonna be a warrior of God, know who you are. Find out who God says you are and develop that. You know, we're complete in Christ, right? All of us are, but we're not developed. We're all developed in different ways. And God's saying, go ahead and develop yourself. Go ahead and, you know, become strong in the Lord. You know, uh, just fortify yourself in who he says you are. More than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, these, these aren't just poems. This is the word of God. This is who God says we are. And uh, it's, you know, uh, what do I want to say? I, I remember going to Rhema, and when I first went there, you're just like, oh, wow. You're just kind of socked with a whole new spiritual reality. You know, because everybody's so spiritual down there. You know, there's churches everywhere, and there's ministries everywhere, and man, it's just a buffet. You know, it's just great. And, uh, and but then after a while, you know, you kind of get used to it, right? And, and so I think, uh, I think that that's where the universal body is. We're in a place where we've been comfortable. And God's saying, okay, children, I love you, but it's time to get out of that chair. And let's go and just do practical things, you know, to, to bring God's will on the earth. Glory to God. So know your identity. Know the will of God first. Know your identity. Thirdly, know your adversary. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it talks about Satan is a roaring, comes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, and it says right away in verse 9, so what do you do about that? Satan comes around like a roaring lion. What do you do? Resist him. Glory to God. Put him in his place. You know, don't be afraid to stand toe-to-toe with the devil. With the devil himself. You can stand toe-to-toe. If you've got the Holy Spirit of God in you, He's backing down. But I tell you what, if you're not convinced of that and if you don't know who you are, he'll see that too and he'll play on it. So the thing about it is know who you are. Once you find out who you are, don't back down. Sometimes I'm telling you, Satan talks us out of the promises of God. Um, Yeah, I can't go there. Sorry, out of time. Okay. Hallelujah. Um, All right, so finally, I would say get rid of timidity. Uh, Let the spiritual realm know. You know, I'm talking about demons and the forces of darkness. Let them know where you stand. Let them know who you are. You remember those demons that said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? You know, they got him. But, you know, if we know who we are, they're going to look at us us and say, okay, well, you know, Cindy I know, and Jesus I know, and, yeah, I don't want to go there. Don't want to mess with that because I'll get whooped. You know? That's right, man. So let the spiritual realm, let the forces of darkness know what you're all about. And the last verse is uh, found in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 
And it says, the people who know their God are the ones that will do the strong exploits. The people that know their God. That's open to all of us. And so I, I hope I've encouraged you guys tonight. I know these things have been really just roiling inside of me, you know, just to uh, not be complacent, you know, and, and uh, not be passive, but be uh, proactive with, with the word of God, especially in the age in which we live. I think we're gonna see some changes. You know, there's stuff gonna be going on and we're gonna need the spirit of God. And, you know, no fear, because we're victorious. The, the more that Satan tries to do, the more the spirit of God is gonna be here to counter that. I mean, there, we're gonna see powerful things, you guys. I believe it, I really do. We're gonna see powerful things. God wants to do powerful things. Hallelujah. He wants to do them through every one of us. Hallelujah. Okay, so sorry I went a little bit long. Let's go ahead and stand up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's just uh, close with a word of prayer tonight. Father, I just thank you, God, that your word is true, it's solid, it endures forever. I thank you, God, that you have a plan and you have a purpose and it's exciting, Lord. It's not boring. It's adventurous, it's exciting, and, and I just thank you, Lord, that you have called us to higher and higher places, Lord, with you. And the more that we yield to you, the more that we trust in you, the more that we build our faith, Lord, I thank you that you will work through that. And you're just waiting for us, God, to step into new things and to step to that next level that you've called us to. So, Lord, I thank you for each person that's here in this meeting tonight, and I, I pray on all of us collectiv collectively, Lord, that you would just fill us with your spirit, God, that we would just be, uh, have a new fire and a new passion for you, Lord, and, and that, God, we would be cognizant of your spirit and your presence every day, that we wouldn't be in and out, Lord, but uh, we would purpose to be disciplined enough to just be cognizant of your presence in our lives, Lord, so that we can work the works that you called us to do. I just thank you for each person that's here, that we have ears to hear, Lord, and we're, we're just victorious because you, you made it that way. You said it, it, that's who we are, and we receive that, and we thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, go ahead and have a seat, you guys.